Hello and welcome to the Open Minds Podcast, a discussion platform canvassing a range of intriguing topics from human behaviour and developments in neuroscience to philosophy, health and advances in technology. Speaking to intriguing people who exemplify having an open mind and are doing their bit to improve humanity and the world we live in. My name's Paul Pizarras, I'm your host of the Open Minds Podcast and today I've invited a very special guest to talk to you, to talk to us about the importance of goal setting and positive habit formation. I'd like to welcome and introduce you to Mark Rudimos. He's a health and exercise coach at Core Health Coaching. Mark, how are you? Hello, Paul. Thank you for that kind introduction. <laughs> well, thanks for coming along. And I thought <laughs> it, it's very prudent. I mean, here we are, you know, 2020 is fast approaching. A new decade is upon us. Uh, you know, literally, I think millions of people around the world are going to be making their goals, making their New Year's resolutions, whether it be starting meditating or, or going on, on a run on a daily basis or, you know, implementing a diet. And talking to you recently, I've learned some interesting facts, such as one in four actually stay committed to their resolutions or goals after 30 days. And only 8% of us succeed in fulfilling our goals long term. So I thought I'd just throw it to you, Mark, and throw you in the deep end. Why is it so important that we have goals? Yeah, it's an excellent question. I guess if you can kind of think that um, if you have no goal, then your energy is just kind of going everywhere. Um, so you don't know where to put your intentions. So I guess I'd sort of say there's the main reason it's really important to have goals um, is so that you can establish your core values. So where you have a, like a goal or a dream, you can then establish your core values onto, you know, what can I say yes and no to? Right. So some examples of core values at a, at a bit more of a tangible level might be, okay, how much sleep do I need? Um, what does my nutrition need to look like? How much time do I need to dedicate to exercise? Right, okay. Um, you know, is it 45 minutes a day? Um, is it like if I'm too tired, should I spend that time meditating or doing stretching? So um, it's ideal to have a goal. Then you can actually establish your values, so you almost sort of see what your day looks like. Mm. Um, and then it's around what can I say yes and no to that would help support my goal. Right. So a really good example is, you know, we've talked about basic nutrition, basic health principles. Mm -hmm. And then you can even go down to a deeper level, which would be around, well, what relationships do I want to engage in? You know, that's relationships are key to reaching your goal. Yeah. Like yeah. there's a concept uh, I like to use called the dream team. You know, um, where you have your dream team, where you need relationships to see your goal, uh, to reach your goal. Like, um, for example, uh, you know, even if you're a very introverted uh, character that has an internet business, um, they still need to have relationships with customers. They still need to sort of have, you know, a back end of some kind, probably a warehouse support of some kind. So, um, you need relationships everywhere. So, it's fundamental, isn't it? Human relationships. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, they're so key to life um, and they're so vital to growth and they can provide excellent challenges for us that's also vital to growth. So, um, basically, if you've got your goal, uh, then you can sort of establish what I want to say yes or no to, who do I want to engage with, who do I not want to engage with as well. Can you even go to that deeper level? Sure. So that that's one of the key reasons. Right. Um, I'd say another key reason would be around, you know, especially around career. Um, yeah. Uh, it's where you spend a lot of your time and it can be really a, a really uh, a strong determinant of how you spend your time and your happiness in general. 
Exactly. Yeah, and, and I don't know if you've got anything to share on that, but it can be excellent for happiness. Yeah, um, yeah look, I, I do, but before we get into that, I, I thought we'll just let the, the listeners know a little bit more about you. When, when you mentioned career, Mark, and, and happiness, how, how did you come to be, to, to be a health and exercise coach? Uh, yeah, really good question, actually. So I was in um, banking and finance for 10 years, um, and probably towards, you know, probably the last year or two, maybe the last year, actually, I just started getting a strong calling of, you know, wanting to change careers and wanting to go into the health and wellness industry. Like it just, yeah. it became strong and it became almost paralyzing to the extent that I'd wake up every day and like I'd have like a heavy head. Um, then I started getting like digestive issues and my nutrition was really good. So wow. um, I started getting, first of all, my mind wondered. Uh, then it started wondering more and then it actually started manifesting in physical symptoms uh, in stress that, that was seen as stress, like um, yeah. coming through as stress and then coming through as physical symptoms. Um, so it was just a calling that I had uh, and, I, and I think to an extent it was applying these principles and um, solving my own health issues, yeah. um, which I just thought, wow, that's really powerful. And I think, um, I personally think, you know, excellent healers yes. are normally the ones that have healed themselves. Yeah. So, for example, I had a, you know, a good turning point for me is I had a, fun I had a fungal infection for about a good 10 years. Uh, it would have been maybe 15 years, so right. from a, a early teens. Sure. So, I had, like, visible fungal around my arms. So, okay. like, these white patches around my arms. It was quite rubbery. Right. Uh, and I had bad dandruff as well. Mm. So, you know, I'd seen a couple of doctors taking medication uh, and then started do using, like, a fungal cream that wasn't working either. So, nothing was just working. Right. Um, but then I read some material and cleaned up my nutrition and I didn't sort of monitor it day to day, but I'd probably yeah. say within two to three months, uh, my fungal infection was completely gone. That's incredible. Like literally like there was no fungal infection visible in my arms. Uh, my dandruff had disappeared. Wow. Um, how, how old were you, Mark, when you said you experienced uh, at the, that? At the time I was maybe 28, 29, I think. Right. Would you yeah. say that was the, the beginning of your learning journey when it became when it when it comes to nutrition and health or were you yeah. passionate about that beforehand yeah i started reading into it i yeah. started reading into yeah. it because i was getting injuries mm. uh, and i was starting to get uh, like other health challenges like the fungal infection for example right. and i was just like well there's got to just be a solution here like i'm obviously out of balance yeah, um, yeah. that was just the obvious question to me so yeah. it's like where am i out of balance so uh one of the first key books i read was how to eat move and be healthy by paul check and i apply those principles slowly because there's a lot of information in there yeah. um, I couldn't change it all overnight yeah. um, and apply those principles slowly like it literally just started with changing my breakfast from you know wheat bix and sugar to organic eggs sure. is what it changed from so um, just tweaking your behaviors exactly just slowly tweaking 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 yeah. uh, and all of a sudden now I'm just a complete not a health nut but <laughs> 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 years down the track 10 years down the track completely utterly off the wall but, but that, uh, I, I think that that's entirely that's really fascinating <laughs> because you you were, you were aware of these these health issues, these ailments yeah. you were experiencing. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and was there a direct correlation there between doing something you didn't necessarily like, you know, being in finance? Was that a catalyst for, for, uh, for your... I was actually very comfortable, to be honest. I was, right, okay. I was very comfortable. Uh, you know, I was, I was in a fairly good role. Um, yeah. And I was comfortable. But, you know, then, then there's the, the quote that uh, it can be a coffin of comfort. You know, so where you're comfortable, there's no progress or challenge or change. So, numb, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was actually very comfortable. It was more that I just had a strong calling. 
yeah. um, if anything else. So, and and to be fair, to answer your point, the strong calling came from a degree of unhappiness. Of like, you know, as the calling came, I then started to become unhappy. Right. Okay. Like it then started to affect my mental yeah. health a little bit. Look, I, I think a lot of people can probably identify with that. I think a lot sure. of people are in ha- are unhappy. They're in careers or jobs they don't necessarily like, and it does manifest into a physical health issue for, for yeah. many people. It yeah, starts yeah, yeah. from stress, anxiety, depression on a, on a mental health spectrum, but but even you know physical things that, that you've mentioned. One hundred percent. And you know, I coach clients daily, and and it is mm. a key stress where people don't enjoy their yeah. role. Um, I'd say there's a couple of things there, like you know. People might enjoy their role uh, or they might love their role, but they might not enjoy some parts. Yes, and yeah. that is actually, I, in my opinion, perfectly normal. Like there's no, you can't have love without sacrifice. Like yeah. there is always sacrifice. So, but if you love your role and there's going to be, there's going to be some sacrifices. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, if you legitimately aren't nourished by your role, yeah. um, then that's an excellent opportunity to change. That's right. Um, I think you should be able to gauge how you're feeling emotionally. Yeah, physically, if you're yeah. rocking up to work every day and it, it feels soul destroying and it's affecting your going back to relationships that you're having with your loved ones outside work, mm-hmm. then I think you, you've got to. And again, this this topic is very important. You, you've got to put goals in place yeah, in sure. order to transition out of that. But to answer your your previous question around happiness, um, I think it, it's something worth dissecting a little bit because I think in this digital fast-paced society we live in I, I think we've all become particularly accustomed to short-term happiness uh instant gratification for instance um sure you know th- this type of, of pleasure that's just based on efficiency you know give me happiness now yeah, yeah um, sure. and we can sort of we can stem this back there was a, a greek thinker called um Aristippus, an ancient Greek philosopher, um, and he called this the um, hedonic or hedonistic sense of happiness, sure. you know, which suggests that we should seek as much pleasure as we can and generally avoid as much pain as we can. But again, the issue with this, looking at happiness this way, um, is that it's a, it's a very steep, slippery slope um, towards addiction, drugs, alcohol, whether you're Bad habits is, is perhaps shopping or gambling or just scrolling through your social media. Um, and it, this is all fed by that dopamine rush, right? Exactly, yeah. You get, you get addicted yeah. to that dopamine and it's, it's highly addictive. Exactly. I mean, it's the same chemical that's released mm. when, um, when people do heroin. So Spot on. Um, and, you know, people looking at their phones, that's a dopamine hit. Sugar is a dopamine yeah. hit. So I think, um, you know, we're in a society that uh, is very focused on short-term happiness, mm-hmm. but I think that comes at the cost of long-term gratification. Exactly, growth. exactly, uh, because that, that's the other side of, of happiness I wanted to touch on. Um, and it's a type of happiness that comes from you know, deep satisfaction and fulfillment mm-hmm. that comes through discipline, that, that, that comes through setting goals and not just relying on your willpower, but putting in the action mm-hmm. to achieve those, go- those goals. So it's more of a long-term happiness mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people um, are no longer in contact with, that they've, they've lost that side of, of, of happiness. And, and just on the, on the topic of ancient Greek thinkers, I mean, this is aligned with... Um, Aristotle's definition in uh, the the, uh, the Nicomanian uh, Nicomachean ethics that, that he wrote, um, and it's it's more or less looking at happiness through that long term lens. So in his mind, pleasure and amusements um, were meant to serve our ideals, you know, to rejuvenate us, so that we may pursue worthy goals. 
Yeah, sure. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and, you know, again, like, you know, whilst we're dieting or cutting back on screen time, this may not feel enjoyable. It might not feel happy or may, may, may not feel, make us feel happy in the short term. Um, if we're able to put in these long-term measures, this discipline towards um, setting goals, achieving our goals, putting in the action required to do so, and that ultimately gives you a greater sense of fulfillment and happiness that can really be your, your motivator, your, your springboard to go on to achieve any goal. Yeah. Whether it's transitioning yeah, yeah, out exactly. of a role or, or, or what have you. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah there, there's an excellent quote um, by, I believe, a psychologist called Jerry Wesch, which mm. is, when you have a big enough dream, you do not need a crisis. So Love it. Where you, have, where you have full focus, like it's just like you don't have time for anything else, you know. So, yeah. And people can get where they don't have a goal or they don't have a dream. They can get very fixated on just the next short-term rush, the next thing that's happening, yeah, that's or just right. get blown yeah. into the wind. So mm. I love that quote uh, <laughs> by psychologist Jerry Wesch. So yeah, it, yeah. it's a good one. Yeah. Um, but so when you sort of spoke about the importance of goal setting, mm. well, that's the main, I think that's an excellent one around, around values. Um, yeah. Another excellent one being around long-term happiness, which is what you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, and then I think there's, you know, and a bit more of a, and you were talking Greek philosophers before, a little bit more philosophical, you know, we're all so unique. Like, we're all literally individuals. Mm -hmm. There will never be another Paul Pizarus. There will never be another Mark Verudimos. Um, We are all different, and we all have something different to contribute. Yeah. So I personally think that um, where people aren't in line with that, it can cause an underlying subconscious stress a little bit. It can cause yeah. a little bit of division, just like, mm -hmm. I'm doing this, but I should just really be doing exactly. this. It goes back to your purpose. Yeah, exactly. Right? And back to yeah, your, sure. what you were talking about, core values. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, let me ask you, is there a difference that the core values you spoke of make a lot of sense in terms of having a set foundation you know, basic things that you need in order to optimize yourself to achieve your goals. Mm -hmm. um, but when, when I think of core values, Mark, I, I also think of, uh, I guess, more behavioral traits, for instance, around, you know, if you're empathetic, if you're compassionate. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you have to say about, uh, like, can you make those core values around your behavior, can you intertwine that with the core values you're talking about and your sense of purpose? Uh, setting? Yeah, my, my personal experience is empathy and compassion will come with experience and come with um, pain normally. So, yes, you know, people yeah. that have uh, had experience and had pain, they can actually really, re they can actually have empathy and compassion yeah, for someone else because yeah. they've actually been through it. Yeah. Um, so I actually would say um, empathy and compassion is to live the journey is the best way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and people are more empathetic and compassionate by so nature true. as well. And how important is pain? You know, I think we, yeah. we have this... And again, you know, we have a well, pain avoidance culture. Oh, we certainly do. Like, I know we're going to talk about habits, and you know, I was going to talk about this this negative reinforcement. We're we're trying to avoid pain. Yeah, sure. And we've got this this mindset that we're trying to avoid it at all costs. Yeah, yeah sure. And you see people glued to their devices to avoid people that I want to talk to. There's all different. There's a different spectrum spectrum of avoiding pain. But if if we're able to, I think, shift our mindset. To see pain as a good thing, an opportunity to grow. Yeah, yeah exactly. You embrace it and almost look at it from this objective perspective. Then um, you, you just amplify your your ability to get things done, and your, your whole attitude changes. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. And I think I think it's really important for people to have uh, a regular stress management practice, whatever that mm, might be. Yeah. So where you've got, you know, where you manage your stress, you manage your growth, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and you know, there are legitimate stresses. 
I'd say legitimate stresses would be a threat to your food, shelter, and water. Yeah. Um, but then all other stresses are an excellent opportunities for growth. But mm. if you're highly stressed and you don't actually engage with stress management practice, it's hard to then kind of go to it straight away. Yeah. Like, you know, if, let's just say you're highly stressed and then you sit there and meditate. Oh, I might as well try this meditation thing. Mm. So, oh my God, my thoughts can't stop. <laughs> uh, it's because you've never done it before and you're doing it a highly stressful period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it's... Mm. Really, I think it's vital for people to have a regular stress management practice that they can mm. call upon uh, and that they know will be there uh, in times of challenge. And so, you know, a great metaphor that I use is, you know, coming from an exercise background, yeah. is that if um, someone does a bicep curl, you yeah. know, with one kilogram, um, there's not going to be much change in the bicep. You know, you're not going to feel anything. There's no pain there. Um, but then if you have a, if you grab a dumbbell that's a lot heavier and you start feeling pain, mm. there's actually tears in the muscle. The muscle actually breaks down. Yeah. And then the key part here is with the correct nourishment, i.e. stress management techniques, yeah. the muscle can, can then grow stronger. Yeah. Um, so where it's, where stresses are correctly nourished, mm. you can definitely grow stronger. Yeah. Most definitely. You probably know, Mark, I'm a, big, a massive advocate of the of mindfulness and using that as a stress reduction uh, process. And just what you said there really uh, reminded me of the fact that, you know, th this is backed by science when you're talking about uh, building resilience and strengthening the part of your brain um, that, that is largely responsible for giving you that objective perspective. Uh, which is, you know, the prefrontal cortex. So when we're, we're practicing mindfulness, and for those of, of you listeners who, you know, who have probably heard this term a million and one times, just to give you a very brief uh, definition, it, it's more or less bringing your attention to the here and now. Mm. So harnessing your ability to, to have this objective bird's eye perspective um, of your emotions, you know, of uh, the stress that you're feeling. And from that platform, you can... Um, you know, introduce a whole range of stress uh, management techniques, whether it be meditation, different breathing techniques, just going for a walk, getting back to nature. Um, so I'm very big on mindfulness, as you know, Mark. But um, on the topic of stress, are, are there any other, uh, I guess, techniques that you use with your clients, for instance? There's that many. you can recommend? Yeah, there's many. Um, I would probably say you go with the ones that you enjoy and then, yeah. Um, then you use the ones uh, as needed. So different different stress management tools work at different times for different people. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know meditation's good. Yeah. Um, just doing things that you enjoy can be an excellent stress reliever. So mm. literally just doing things you enjoy. So the way the autonomic nervous system works yeah. um, is that you've got your fight or flight system and you've got your rest and digest system. Yeah. Now it almost works like a seesaw. So you can't be really really stressed mm. and really really happy. Hormonally, it actually can't happen. Yeah. Um, so if you're doing things that you really enjoy, yes. um, and so that's what I spoke about earlier around values and changing the structure of your mm. day. Mm. If you do things that you really enjoy, you're actually just going to pump more happy hormones. Yep. So you're going to pump more rest and digest hormones. Mm. Um, you're going to um, pump more human growth hormones. So you're you know, more likely to um, reduce fat and increase muscle mass, for example. Um, where you're happy, you then start getting a little bit more creative, um, start thinking a little bit more yeah. laterally. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, you know, uh, meditation's good. You know, 
people do uh, journal writing, doing things you enjoy. Yeah. Um, I rely pretty heavily on the emotional freedom technique, mm. um, which you know we can discuss in, in more detail maybe down the track. Mm. Um, so the emotional freedom technique is really coming on strong, yes. um, where you sort of tap acupressure points around your body, sort of verbalizing the emotions you're holding on to. Yes. Um, so yeah, there's many techniques. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a good idea to perhaps. When we're thinking, you know, going back to our topic here, when we're thinking of, of setting goals, mm -hmm. I think many of us have a tendency to, to think about career, think about our finances, but I can't stress enough, we can't forget the importance of looking after our health, looking after our mind, because, you know, stress is inevitable in, in this day and age. So I would urge some of you listeners, you know, now we're coming up to 2020 and you're, you're thinking of, uh, you know, writing your goals down and putting some actions in place. Um, just reflect on the year that was and, and you know we all have these life-defining moments we all have negative things that are inevitable that, that happen to us but um, as Mark suggested you know it, it's it's really powerful and important to have a number of stress management techniques so you might um, and Mark just let me know if you think this is a good idea but to, to write down some goals to perhaps learn about things like mindfulness or, mm. or meditation make that part of your um, goals for next year you touched on an excellent thing then just before around reflection. Um, so yeah. I actually think that's a key part of goal setting. Um, so, yeah. you know, if you don't understand yourself, then you don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, so the reflection would be around, yeah. okay, so what worked for me this year? What didn't work? Or what worked in the last three months? What didn't work? Yeah, so yeah, I personally yeah, yeah, look at my goals every, every three months. Um, so a reflection wow. period would then... You then really get to know yourself yeah. and then you really get to know what you want to do. That's right. Okay? Because yeah. one of the most common things that I come across is I don't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what I want to do. Yeah, no, this job's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I don't really like it. But I, this job's right. So, so it's um, exceptionally common. So that would just start that process. So, where I get people that have no idea what they want to do, which is is um, actually quite common. Yes, I'll say, okay, good, fine. Mm. Um, so, if you don't know what you want to do, what don't you want to do? So everything works in polarity, right? So right. there's a light, there's a dark, there's a sun and moon. Everything works in polarity. So if your mind's in the negative, there has to be a positive. Mm. Um, so for example, it might be like, I don't like working for someone. Great, so you want to be a sole business owner. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't like working indoors. Great, so you like to work mm. outdoors. Yeah. Um, so we just literally flip it. So that way it's easier to flesh out your purpose. Really. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so where you don't know your dream, you then go to your nightmare. Right. Okay, so yeah. like I said, it all works in polarity yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's one tip I do. Right. Uh, then the other thing I'd sort of say to people is, Hey, look, just start to think about, you know, I'll ask some questions. Who do you admire? Um, who do you enjoy hanging out with? Yes. Uh, what do you enjoy studying? What do you enjoy reading? What do you do in your spare time? Yeah. And then they'll start to go, you know, it. a lot of people will then go into creative pursuits. Oh, I love to paint or I love yeah, to, I'd love to yeah. do gardening and rah, rah. Mm -hmm. It's like, but I can't do that for a career. It's like, why? Why can't you do yeah. it for a career? And then, so then you've got to go a little bit deeper. Mm. So I would urge your listeners um, where you're thinking about goals is to dream without fear. Yes. Because I think fear holds a lot of people back from even so having dreams. True, Mark. Yeah. From even it's a having massive dreams. anchor for so many people, fear. And so it'd be fear around, you know, the key ones I see would be fear around not being good enough, yeah. um, fear around failure, yes. um, fear around what other people might think. Mm. Um, and these are all like excellent opportunities for growth. Yeah. So let's just go with, you know, fear of failure, for example. Yeah. Right? So fear of failure um, is actually all failures are learning opportunities. Um, the failure is only giving up. That's actually the only failure where you literally are going to give up. 
on something that you still want and dream about. Mm -hmm. That would be the failure, which yeah. is fine. But other failures are literally just learning opportunities. Um, and even yeah. now, just my mind goes back to um, an ad by Michael Jordan. I think it was released soon after he retired from Chicago Bulls. Right. And he's done this ad that's for Nike, I think, about yeah. 30 seconds. I haven't watched it in about 20 years. Mm. Um, but about 30 seconds long. And he talks about all his failures, like literally one of the greatest athletes of all time. Yeah. Talks about all these failures. And at the end, he just talks about, and that is why I succeed. That's what made him succeed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I think what stops a lot of people from... Um, dreaming or having goals is just literally failure. So failure of, yeah, fear of failure of uh, what people might think, you know, even a fear of um, losing identity. Yeah. So for example, you know, I spoke about my career transition before. I know you've been through a career transition. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is that is a significant change of identity where you attach yourself to something yeah. and then you've now got to go, oh my God, I've got to com be completely something exactly different. Exactly right. And so, just quickly on that point, yeah, tell you, me. Know, you said you, you attach yourself to to whether it's your identity, your view of the world. And, you know, one of the key Buddhist principles is that the root of all suffering is attachment. Yeah, sure. It's very difficult for, for people to, to let that go. But anyway, keep going. Oh, look, look, I was going to chime in because you talk Buddhist principles. There's an excellent <laughs> quote by, by Lao Tzu, um, yeah. who I don't believe was a Buddhist, but um, and he talks about if you care what other people think, um, you will always be their prisoner. Yes. So yeah. it's an excellent opportunity mm. if you dream, have a dream or have a goal that you want to pursue. It's an yeah. excellent opportunity to break free of other people's thoughts. That's right. Um, yeah. And really mm. just that in itself is a development opportunity, not caring what people think, mm. breaking free of other people's thoughts. Yeah. A lot of it would be breaking free, free of um, you know, childhood conditioning as well. Yeah, correct. Look, pow powerful stuff, powerful stuff. Uh, I think you know, we, we could talk forever on, on fear. A lot of the work I've been doing recently – uh, suggests that the way the human brain is wired is that we we pay closer attention to negative emotions based on fear. And primarily one of the key functions of the brain is to keep this body in survival mode, which is why we are still here and have evolved through the ages. But the there's a, there's a consequence to, to uh, paying closer attention to what we call these negative emotional signatures, and that is... You're, you're always living in fear mode and sometimes that's subliminal sometimes that's that's a negative narrative that we run you know when we're talking about self-sabotaging self-sabotaging behaviors it could be the, the tiniest voice saying you know oh, I'm not good enough to do this and then you you attach belief to that and then all of a sudden you're, you're feeling this sense of these negative emotions that are just anchoring you um, or, or preventing you from going on to, to achieve your goals. So, so in your experience of um, working with people, what, what do you think stops people from forming positive habits? I think it's exactly what we're just talking about. I think it's fear. Mm, sure. I, and I think people are afraid to, to put in the work that is necessary um, for fear of failure, but ironically also, Mark, sometimes for fear of success. Mm. Spot on. So, like, I work, um, it's as common as anything, mm. um, people not having a high self-worth. Um, so, yeah. whether they're like, why should I be successful? Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, nine times out of yeah. ten, you can track it back to childhood stuff. Exactly. So, whether, whether it be, you know, you're not good enough by parents or whether it might be, you know, early childhood experiences of not being picked for sport teams or, exactly or right. not excelling... Um, in the academic environment that school provides. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, that, and that all goes back to your, your subconscious program, which, you know, the first seven, eight years of our lives, that's when the foundation is laid. Yeah. That's what, exactly what we're talking about, your concept of self-identity, your view of the world, your belief system, and we're living in this age where that is being challenged almost daily, almost daily. Uh, but I thought we should touch on how do we, you know, we've talked about the importance of, of setting goals, the importance of having goals. Mm -hmm. And I think where people trip over a lot is they're not making the work that is required to achieve those goals, they're not making that a habit. As I said from the outset, sure. one of the uh, statistics I've learned from you is that um, only one in four people stay committed to their goals after 30 days. Yeah, sure. Would and you say that goes back to, to habits? What would um, you point that? Habits, definitely. Mm. Um, habits, 100%. Um, but also chime in there and say, we spoke about fears. Like, you know, they, they write it down, they might have fears. The other thing I talk about is, um, the other thing I talk about is, uh, when I work with goals with people, is getting to your why. Right. Um, getting to your why. Like, what is the emotional attachment to it? Yes. Um, because you are spot on mm. after about... 30 days, yeah. the, the motivation completely dissipates. Yeah. Um, but so if you get to the why, okay, why do you want to do this? So I'll use a common one. Um, I really want to lose weight. Okay, why is that important to you? Like, oh, I just want to lose weight. No, no. Why That's is it right. important to you? Articulate and it's why, like, the why, um, the I, reward. So I want to look good in a dress. Okay, so why is that good to you? And then it might be, oh, because I'm sick. And then I get the emotional attachment of, oh, I don't want to be embarrassed anymore. Um, and then I've got their emotion, I've got their key emotional attachment. Another one might be, Oh, uh, well, if I'm overweight, then, um, you know, I'll just be going on more and more medications. And I'll be like, okay, yeah. so why is that important to you? And exactly. it's like, well, well, then I won't be around for my kids mm. as long as I want to be. So it's like, yeah. that's your emotional attachment. Spot on. So it's about getting yeah. the emotional attachment. So yeah. it's like, yeah. okay, where's the why? Mm. Um, and then if I'm still not, if I still don't believe it, then I'll say, okay, what happens if you don't reach your goal? It's like, what happens if you don't lose weight? It's like, oh, well, I'll just keep going on medications and then, yeah, I'll just never be around. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I think the why and the why nots are really, really important. Yep. Um, but then I'd be interested in your view around the habit stuff as well because I think that ties well, in nicely. Look, there is a direct correlation. When, when we're talking about our why, uh, that's a fundamental part of what we call the, the habit loop, right? So for, for a habit to occur, and let's face it, humans, we're all habitual creatures. Mm -hmm. A habit is basically when you've repeated an action so frequently, it becomes part of your automatic subliminal process. You no longer have to think about it. And there's a lot of reasons why this takes place. You know, that the way the brain is wired, it, it frees up space to pay attention to other things. Um, but ultimately, there's, there's three fundamental steps that take place in any habit. It's what we call the habit loop. That is, firstly, there's a trigger, mm -hmm. right? So that's something physical that, that occurs in your, in your environment. It could even be a thought that you might have. It doesn't always have to be. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, there's a trigger, there's a routine, which is the action mm -hmm. after that trigger has occurred, mm -hmm. right? And we're not thinking about this as a habit loop because it happens instantaneously because it has been formed as a habit. Um, but the last part of the loop, Mark, is what we call the reward, which is the exact same thing as your why. Okay, so, so maybe give mm -hmm. us, maybe just so mm -hmm. there's a practical example, maybe give us an example um, mm -hmm. of uh, like breaking a habit. Uh, if you know one. Yeah, sure. Okay. So let's go with something that, that people might uh, be able to identify with, um, say overeating or, or if your negative habit um, is just overindulging in chocolate cake. Sure. Right. So uh, knowing that, that the habit loop, the way it works, so your trigger might be walking past a bakery or mm. seeing an advert on the TV, mm. right? 
um, or someone just mentioning the word chocolate cake. So then, then we have the routine, which is basically uh, you know consuming that cake. Yeah, or maybe and, and, having and, cake every night or whatever it yeah, might be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the reward or the why. A lot of times, a lot of the times we don't think about it, but because sometimes it's neurological or physical. So it might be the dopamine rush you're getting from that sugar fix. Mm, sure. Right. Um, but ultimately, to break that, what we have to do is a become familiar with this habit loop. There's a trigger, routine, and, and the reward. And b, we really need to, and it hits your point um, exactly in that. Uh, really have to articulate and flesh what our why is, mm, right? Yeah, so, yeah, it's vital. Yeah. So if you're thinking about with the cake example, well, you know, the, the reward I'm getting here is yes, I'm feeling good for maybe five, ten minutes when I'm feeling that sugar rush hit. Um, but ultimately, when you break it down, you might look in the mirror and you might see you're getting obese, and, and you really flesh this this why or reward, and you you might find it's not serving you, you know, any purpose. So the, the way we break that is we shine this conscious torch on this whole process and we unpack our why. So we might want to re-articulate or, or readdress what our reward is, or we could even use it to our advantage. So, for instance, you might want to replicate or change um, or replace, rather, the act of eating a cake. Um, you might want to use that as a reward. So if one of your health goals, for instance, is to become healthier, mm. whether that might be going for a run or, or exercising daily, um, you know, you might want to set yourself a little task, like doing that for three or four days before you can earn that 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 yeah, uh, sure. that, that piece of chocolate cake, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure, sure. Mm. Uh, yeah, and the other thing I do is um, where that might be routine, just try and replace it with a healthier alternative, so sort of wean them off slowly. So yes, yep. uh, a healthy alternative, then ideally dissipate it or put tools mm. in place to dissipate the habit in, in full. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, so, so I think, yeah, to, to sort of sum that up, you know, like focus on your reward, really flesh that out, articulate what that is, uh, whether that's serving you well or not. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then um, there's a great little five-step process we use at the Open Mind Institute to, uh, to more or less replace any negative habit with, with a positive habit. So I won't go into detail on that now, but I, I think now is a good juncture to just let our listeners know that we're actually – collaborating on a project together. Um, it's, I'm excited. Yes. I'm really excited. It's, as, a, it's, as a, it's got great content. As, um, as so look, it's, it's called Investing in Me in 2020. I thought that yeah. had a nice ring to it. It's on the 11th of January. Did you want to tell the listeners, Marky, a little bit more about the, the event? Yeah, sure. So um, Paul will talk around, around mind fitness kind of stuff. Um, I'll talk about some health principles and keeping yourself optimal. Um, that will also include some tips on... Um, relationship management as well, not necessarily uh, with a partner, but you know, with your manager, with your boss, or or whatever, because um, that is vital for energy. Yeah. Um, so, so Paul will talk about um, mind fitness. I'll talk about keeping yourself optimal. So it'll be around uh, energy management and just little tips around sleep, water, and nutrition. Uh, we're even looking at uh, issuing a nutrition questionnaire to people. You know, it'll take five minutes to fill out, and then you can get an individualized nutrition. Um, idea of what might work for the individual uh, and then we're going to uh, have a goal setting exercise um, which would be really good because you know as statistics show around about you're 65% more likely um, to achieve your goal if you're actually accountable mm -hmm. to someone and even some um, 
research cited by psychologytoday.com um, says that you're 33% more likely to achieve your goal if you write it down. Yeah. So just by attending the workshop and writing down your goal, you're actually 33% more likely. There you go. Uh, and then I spoke about 65% more likely if you're accountable to someone, and then you've got that option there if you want to. Yeah. So uh, I'm really excited. It's like, it's been, you know, I'm a strong believer that um, everyone has some kind of contribution to provide to this planet. Yeah. And, um, and I love being a part of that. Yep. I couldn't agree more, and um, I'm I'm just so happy to collaborate with you on this. Like I've known you now for many years, and and Mark is the type of person who just pours his heart and soul into this content. I think you're you're very genuine when you're talking about health and exercise and well being, because as you mentioned from the outset, you you've lived it, you've helped yourself, sure. you're helping hundreds of clients out there in the field. So there was no better person I wanted to collaborate with. So. Um, you know, I, I'm going to be, I guess, concentrating on on the mind and mindset mindset tools. But where we collaborate um, after Mark's talked about the body and giving his health talk is, and I think what really differentiates this Mark from from any other event that I've done or even been to um, is the application. So yeah. attendees, yeah. it's going to be, be around, doing around yeah. application and practical tools. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. It's what we call experiential learning. Which you know that's that's how we learn. We we learn from doing. So we're going to be drafting, uh, giving you a format to draft your goals, and um, it's exactly on point as to what this podcast is about. Then we're going to give you the tools to take that action required into habits, into positive habit formation. And as Mark said, you're going to be given the option of being held accountable um, afterwards, which I think is a really important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. And don't sell yourself short on um, being passionate about helping people. I see the same thing with you. I know, I know. you know, you had a legal career that um, has pursued a passion around um, helping people around, um, you know, uh, performing optimally with their mind. Um, so it's, it's a great collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. All right. So I think that's a wrap. Is there anything else you wanted to tell? I think that's about it. Yeah. We'll go through more in the workshop as well. Yeah. Um, we'll go through the practical tools. Yeah. But uh, And if anyone can't attend, you know, good luck setting your goals. We, we, uh, we hope you do well for 2020, a new decade. That's right. So, look, we hope that we've added some value to your lives out there uh, in internet land. Uh, well, I'm going to attach a link attach a link to our event, Investing in Me in 2020. It is in, uh, in Brisbane, Australia. I know we have some U.S. listeners um, but but I'll see if I can post up some um, some content after the event on the Open Mind Institute webpage, which is theopenmindinstitute.com. Uh, I urge you listeners, anything that's resonated with you today, is please share this podcast, the Open Minds podcast. And remember, always keep an open mind. Thank you and take care. <music>